Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <gasps> I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. You built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now the host of the Stupid Cancer Show, Matthew Zachary. Monday, November 16th. And we are once again live on the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. We are your friendly neighborhood weekly social webcast, finally giving that voice to nearly 5 million young adults affected by cancer. Got cancer under 40? Suck, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is on the air. Welcome to tonight's broadcast, my friends. We are here to change the world. One chemo infusion at a time and share all of our collective crapness. This broadcast is a program of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, one of the nation's leading grassroots advocates for the next generation of survivors and co-survivors. It's all about us, and we're bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight and sticking it to a system that's ignored us for far too long. The past three decades of cancer progress have failed the next generation, so there's no reason to think the next 30 will be any different unless change happens right here, right now. Join us and be the change that needs to happen. Hell, we invented Google, Facebook, Twitter. We kept Sanjaya on American Idol all those weeks. We can do anything we want. This is Generation Cancer. It is our fight and our duty to give back to our own. We have the sheer numbers, the voting power, and the influence to change the rules because remission is no excuse for cure and survivorship is all that really matters. Last week's show, Stupid Testicular Cancer with Brian LaBelle, Scott Joy, who is joining us in the chat room tonight, and Olympic athlete Eric Chanteau. Tonight's show is Nutrition and Cancer, Part 1, with Kathy Buetti, author of Breastless in the City, Natalie Ledesma, oncology dietitian at UCSF, and Greta McHare, nurse, practitioner and oncology dietitian, also from UCSF. So hello, my friends, and welcome to yet another fun, filling, exciting romp to the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, and a Stupid Cancer welcome to any and all of our first-time listeners here on the Blog Talk Radio Network, coming at you live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. I'm your host, Matthew Zachary, a 13, coming up on 14-year Young adult pediatric brain cancer survivor. 
Joining me live in the studio tonight, as always, our chief cancer anarchist, Jack Bufard. Hello, Jack. Hi, Matt. How's it going? You know how it's going. I do know how it's going. What's up, buddy? Oh, boy. Nice try. <laughs> Jack will be monitoring our live concurrent interactive chat room, so if you have something to say, let him have it. And grill him with simple questions to stump his small little mind. Not hard to do. Live in our studio audience tonight, it's a pleasure to welcome back our resident intern, the lovely Anna Brower. Hey, Anna. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. That's it? Hi. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks. It's good to be here. All right. And Erica Goldberg. Welcome, Erica, to the show. You going to say hello? Hi. You can, you, don't be shy. The Not microphone shy. is your friend. Hello, everyone. There you go. You can sit next to me. It's okay. <laughs> And as always, it is my esteemed pleasure to introduce my official partner in crime here on the Stupid Cancer Show, hailing from the windy city of Chicago, fellow young adult survivor and author of the acclaimed book, Everything Changes, The Insider's Guide to Cancer in Your 20s and 30s, the lovely, talented, blogtastic, and spectacular Carol Rosenthal. Hello, Carol. Hello, Matthew. How you doing? I'm Hi, really... Hey, hey, Jack. How you doing? Wonderful, thank you. Excellent. Um, yeah, I'm I'm doing really quite well, I must say. I had a really invigorating weekend in Wisconsin at um, this really great breast cancer conference, and um, the the people who were attending the conference were amazing. But I also had this really surprise, nice visit from a woman named Bridget who uh, has been commenting on my blog for a while and she's so cool and it's always really amazing to meet someone in person who you feel like you know so well in cyberspace and then you actually get to see them in person and they're like even 10 times cooler than you could have imagined. So yeah, it was really fun. So wait, whatever happened with that blog you wrote about, um, we're going back maybe two or three posts about religion and cancer, Oh yes, I have to say she is the person who who uh, had the nobody likes it when someone pisses in their Jesus flakes. Oh, she's the one that said she's, that. Ah, she was Miss Jesus flakes. It's all making sense now. Yeah, she's great, but no, that that post is still generating a lot of dialogue, and it's actually kind of kicked me off into a bit of a new religion theme. So I'm going to do a series of posts that kind of relate to religion and spirituality, which. I think is great because I'm an atheist <laughs> and I still want to talk about this stuff. Um, so yeah, I, did, I put up another post last week asking people to talk about sort of what their favorite quotes or scriptures are and sort of how we can rely on words at different times to just get us through really hard moments. Uh, and um, I don't know if you influenced this or if it was already there, but it's taken off because of you, but there's like a there is no God group on planet cancer now. Yes, and, and it's like 100 members Strong. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting. You know, I I think that there's a lot of room for conversation in the cancer community about people who maybe are not spiritual. What like what do we rely on to get through tough times? It's not as though because we don't believe in God or we're not spiritual that we're just like robots or stones and don't need to to deal with the same feelings and emotions and existential questions that everybody else does. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited that, that that Planet Cancer Group exists. 
Very interesting stuff. Well, you know, the movie 2012 is the number one movie in the country now, and it's made over like $40 million in its first weekend. So perhaps people are interested in the end of the days and, and uh, what religious implications may or may not have anything to do with anything. Yeah. Well, I I remember lobbying my this, this rabbi who uh, was a chaplain, and I would speak with regularly during my treatments. Um, and I was saying to her, you know, I really think that there should be atheists chaplains in hospitals because you know if you're jewish you call the rabbi if you're catholic you call the priest you know they have all of these um chaplains who can administer religious care to people of different faiths and i thought but who who administers that kind of care of your soul to someone who is atheist and doesn't even believe you have a soul (laughs) right i was and and i finally got the rabbi to say you know if anybody could convince someone to be an atheist chaplain, maybe you could do it, Carol. So, so for for a short period of time, I thought maybe I can convince the powers that be to you know get me trained as an atheist chaplain. But I decided to write a book instead. <laughs> well, I wonder what Johnny Everman thinks of this. Be well, number one. Oh, there you go. Is that what he thinks of everything, though? I think it does. I think that is exactly what he thinks of everything. Be I well, don't even know what that means. Be well, number one. What does that mean? I think, I think to him, everybody's number one okay. in his book. You know what it means? No, I, I asked him about this. I actually had um, an email conversation with him about this. I said, Johnny, tell me exactly what be well number one means. And he said that it's the number one most important thing above anything else is that you take care of your health and that you are physically well. Oh, so it's like be well number one is like if we're going to transliterate that into Englishese. So that would be like walking around saying, pay your bills, number two. (laughs) (laughs) Go on a diet, number three. Okay. Call your grandmother, number four. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, like being well is is the number one thing. So it's be well. Yeah, so it's like saying... It's like your daily checklist. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get it. So so take care of yourself should be your number one priority, my friend, is the lengthier version of the... Okay. Yeah. So, right, anyway, well, we, I'm I'm super excited about tonight's show, cancer and nutrition, and um, yeah, I mean, this is such a a topic that so many people feel so distraught and confused and overwhelmed by, and also some people are empowered by it. And um, I'm just really excited to kind of get to the bottom of it with some registered dietitians who use science to back up their statements and can help. Dispel some of the confusion. Wow. Yeah. I so, think it should be definitely interesting. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. I'm really excited for tonight's show. I think it, I think it might be one of my all-time favorite shows. I know it will be for me because Kathy Boydie's on. <laughs> I know. I'm excited about that. So the lovely, the lovely, talented, and additionally, and talented, blogtastic. That is for sure. So, Matthew, um, there have been some challenges in your day today. Well, I want to talk about, I want to talk about some good stuff first. Yeah. Uh, you know, this show has almost 27,000 listeners out there in, in, in the, little, the little world out there that we cover. Um, many of you have already gotten the emails from last week that we officially relaunched our website, i2y.com. It's newly redesigned with new navigation. It's a lot simpler to, to deal with. It's got a more robust uh, mailing list sign-up sheet. Um, it's easier for nurses and doctors and cancer practitioners to request support materials. 
And uh, we got a lot of feedback so far that people love the new design. There's a static banner on the site, which will begin to rotate, showing different survivors and their quotes and testimonies about the organization. But I think the centerpiece of the website is that it is promoting, finally, da-da-da, we have finally launched the Stupid Cancer Wristbands. Yay! And <laughs> I got mail! I got a wristband! Yay! <laughs> and um, that, uh, you know, we sold 17,000 of them in one day, working with Spencer's at the end of June and early July. And there's been such a national, even a global need for them, and I feel terrible that it took us so long uh, to get these back out to the market. But they are on Amazon, and I did just find out that we sold 1,200 in three days. Uh, which is very cool, and um, which is 120 10 packs, which is very nice. And uh, but Amazon is not shipping internationally, so we're going to be setting up a, uh, a secondary vendor that will be able to ship those anywhere in the world. So if anyone out there is listening that is not from the United States uh, or Canada, uh, wait no longer. In a few few days, we'll have another supply chain up there for you guys to purchase them and get them shipped to anywhere as far as Norway, Sri Lanka. Um, the Faroe Islands and, Brooklyn. and perhaps Brooklyn. Yes, exactly. So if you get a chance, shoot yourself on over to i2i.com. Send us your feedback and thoughts on the new website. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, very excited. All good stuff. So, so let's, we got the good stuff out of the way. Yeah, and also you know there is a link to the wristbands on the i2i homepage. But if you go to amazon.i2i.com, it will send you directly to the Amazon store where you can get the bracelets. Yeah, and these are really high-quality bracelets. Anyone listening who got the first round of bracelets, those are great. These are better. You're going to love them. Your friends are going to love them. Everyone is going to say, what the hell is that on your wrist? And that's it. You just got to show it to them. They'll go to the site and get their own. So Stupid Cancer wristbands are in effect live now. We have 100000 to sell and uh, more to come if we are pretty successful. Excellent. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. And we were at the uh, the Listrong Alliance meeting. Oh, that's more news. Yeah, when we launched them. Let's keep the good news going as, yeah. <laughs> as long as we can. Yeah, this week was the fourth annual meeting of the Livestrong Young Adult Alliance, which is a, a loose consortium of advocacy organizations that are uh, strategically committed to serving the um, the underserved needs of the young adult patient population. Anything from advocacy, research, public relations, uh, quality control, best practices. Uh, clinical trials, biology research, tissue banking, you name it, there's finally an infrastructure in place to serve uh, the young adult community, and the Alliance is a really great coagulate uh, body that brings us all together once a year in Austin to get drunk, take crazy pictures, uh, and go dancing. Yeah, I, how did I miss all that? I, I just went to the conferences, and you know, I was in bed at 8 o'clock each night. No one told me they were going out. Uh, well, take that as a hint. <laughs> you walked right into that one. I guess so. Not, not that the pictures would, would prove otherwise. but No, but anyone can go onto my, 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 uh, my wall and see all the crazy pictures. Some of them are slightly embarrassing, but I don't care. But I really want to give a real special shout-out to Eric Anthony Galvez, who is just one of the coolest guys in the country. That's true. He was a was a physical therapist and a marathon he's a, he's, runner. He's a DPT. He's, a do, he's got his doctorate in he's physical got, therapy. He has a doctorate in physical therapy, and he uh, was a marathon runner. And he got brain cancer, and he's, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's pretty physically disabled now. Uh, but he has an amazing organization called Mass Kickers. He wrote a great book. Um, he's got a great YouTube video, and uh, he was such a sport, such a good sport for all of us 
while we're out there. Um, so, Eric, if you're listening, we love you. It was great seeing you, and uh, I can't wait to see you again, bro. And, and thanks for being a here, good sport. Yeah, here, here to Eric. And thanks for letting us take pictures in your wheelchair. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God, that was so horrible. Yeah, we, we, we switched places, and, and Jack and I both sat in his wheelchair, and Eric was pushing us around. So, yeah, with all that said, I think that gives you a clue uh, into the real honest relationships that we have with each other, just poking a stick and, and uh, loving our company. And supporting the young adult universe yeah, together. Exactly, exactly. It's not about what you have, it's that you're here. So, uh, so I guess that I guess they think we hit the end of our good news. Yeah, right, <laughs> the end of our good news. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll say this Especially really. Make it sound like Armageddon's coming. Yeah. Well, 2010. John Cusack's in the room right now, and we have some issues. Okay. But all right. Well, we're gonna get to the news. But first, I will make an announcement to everyone out there in listener land, and I'll be repeating this at the end of the show for all of you. But we had a bit of a stupid cancer-tastic disaster here in our office today. Uh, we've been hearing banging, knocking, knocking, drilling um, here on the chemo deck, and it turns out the building um, management have decided to do some major infrastructure construction that is going to directly affect our space, our office space here. And we've been told that we have to vacate the premises in the next day and a half. So that kind of sucks. Uh, and they also said they're probably going to take a couple of weeks. Yeah, so we're not only going to be uh, unable to use this space, um, we're not going to be able to come back into the space for, for many, many weeks. So we're looking for new offices, and uh, we need your help. If anyone out there in listener land knows real estate brokers in New York City who do commercial leasing or are looking to be very philanthropic and donate some space to us, we need maybe a three or 400-square-foot cube. Uh, we're no bother. We're small. We're quiet. We do the radio show from there. So all hands on deck. If you have any suggestions or resources to help save I2Y, uh, send an email to savestupidcancer at I2Y.com. That's savestupidcancer at I2Y.com. We're looking for donations. We're looking for real estate. Uh, and we're looking for connections to keep our infrastructure in place. So um, the Stupid Cancer Show is going on a temporary hiatus. We will not be able to continue broadcasting the show as we move into new spaces. So please uh, just keep posted on Facebook and with the email lists and on the, uh, the fan page. We will let you know when the show will assume uh, the position uh, back on the air. So with that said, let's just get to the news real quick. Matt, there's, there's, a, there's a comment in the chat room that says, thanks for the advance notice. Well, the advance notice was I was in the office this morning. Somebody came in and told me what was going on, and I called Matt. That was the advance notice. Yeah, that was the advance notice. One day, thank you, building assholes, but that's okay. Because they're not listening to this show. I don't give a shit. So at least, you know, the advance notice was I gave Matt an hour's notice before he got to the office and, like, saw the bad news in addition to hearing it. Right, exactly. But it was really crappy. And, yeah. You know, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we were getting the space pro bono, but... Yeah, this it's, is doing... But if, you know, honestly, no, you just don't do this to people. But you don't do this to people, and yes, it's a pro bono donated office, but we are... I, we're going to run over. I don't care. This is our last show for a while. Uh, actually, we're not, because i got to get off the air at 9 o'clock. So I'm going to be the time police tonight. Well, hopefully that's 9 central time, because else we're over by 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is, it is 9 central time. But, no, I mean, this is a really important issue, and I think it's great. I hope that, that, you know, I think it's great that we can put this out there to our listeners and that hopefully you guys can just help us get the word out and that we'll be back up and running in not too long from now. And and still, you know, able to bring you great 
And yeah. no matter where we are, it's kind of like like whatever whatever plane the president is on is automatically Air Force One. Right. Wherever we are doing the show, it's going to be the chemo deck. So exactly. You know, even though like we 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 won't necessarily be in this spot, wherever we will be will be the chemo deck. All right. So if can you plow through the news in like yes, three minutes? Yeah, I already uh, eliminated all the Carol stuff and some of the other <laughs> news thing stuff. Thank you. I'm ready to roll. All right. So let's just bring this up here and get this out of the way. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Okay, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we announce worthy news stories to our adoring listeners to inform them about the latest and greatest in free young adult programs, services, events, projects, and other stuff. If you have an upcoming program, event, or press release that you would like to hear broadcast during this part of the segment, please fax it to us at 877-794-6902 or send an email to Jack Lafarda, Jack at I2Y.com. That's Jack at I2Y.com. All right, bro. All you. Okay. First of all, Carol Rosenthal's book. Check out her website, everythingchangesbook.com. Speaking of Carol, today, Dear Thyroid released their newest podcast, an interview with Carol Rosenthal about young adult cancer. Check it out on their website, DearThyroid.org. That's DearThyroid.org. Can't Make a Dream has a big announcement. I, got, I had the pleasure of hanging out with my friend, Dr. Stu Kaplan, in Austin, Texas, and he wanted me to tell you guys that the 6th Annual Young Adult Survivors Conference is being held in Gold Creek, Montana from January 5th through the 10th. The Young Adult Survivor Conference is a special and unique conference in an intimate setting offered to individuals who are 18 to 40 years old at all stages of survivorship, from diagnosis to long-term survivor. So if you are in treatment or you are post-treatment, you are invited to this camp. For more information about this, head on over to CampDream.org or contact Shirley at Shirley at CampDream.org. And this is a free event. Yaksa DC is hosting Disney's A Christmas Carol, the, the 3D experience on Sunday, November 22nd, and ice skating at the National Gallery of Art on Friday, December 11th. For more information, head on over to smithfarm.com. Events.i2y.com is the official social calendar of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, so head on over to events.i2y.com to see what official sexually, officially sanctioned events are going on in your area. Cook's Children's Adult Group Annual Retreat is being held January 29th through the 31st. And if you would like to attend this retreat, contact Lisa Bashmore at area code 682-885-2125. Are you a young adult survivor who would like to begin an exercise program? If so, contact Santina Horowitz at shorowitz at lifespan.org. The Leukemia Lymphoma Society of Long Island is hosting a young adult get-together Next Monday, November 23rd. Matt, I guess you and I can make that sound that we're not having a radio show. Uh, we'll probably be moving heavy things. <laughs> Monday, November 23rd at Bertucci's in Westbury. This Thursday, November 19th, our friends at Cancer Care in New York City are hosting their Wake Up, Your Life is Waiting retreat. Or program, I should say, not a retreat. That is 530 to 730 at Cancer Care, which is at 275 7th Avenue in New York, New York. 70K.org is the official Bill of Rights to be established as a standard for care to meet the needs of our underserved young adult cancer population. Head on over to 70k.org and sign. And finally, we have the Live On Kit, brought to you by our friends at Fertile Hope. If you are a young adult male who is beginning to 
Start your chemo treatment and need to do sperm banking, head on over to liveonkit.com. Buy sperm banking by mail is made possible by our friends at Fertile Hope. And for all your fertility needs, head on over to FertileHope.org. And that, my friends, is your Stupid Cancer News. Is that fast? That was fast. That was all right. All right, our first guest tonight in the spotlight is a breast cancer survivor of fabulousness and glory. Having lost her first husband to a car accident in her 20s, she thought she was done with all the tragedy in her life, but lo and behold, was diagnosed with breast cancer. But that experience yielded an amazing opportunity because she met her husband, the lovely Lou Buetti. Uh, she wrote a book, in case you haven't heard, called Restless in the City, and has an amazing blog called Restless in the City. Please welcome back returning champion, Kathy Buetti. Hello, Kathy. Hello there. How are you? Hi, Kathy. Hi, Jack. Hi, Carol. I'm Hi, Kathy. I am so excited that you're on the show tonight. Um, you know... You have such a great blog, and I read it all the time, and I was really struck by this one blog post that you wrote, I don't know, was it maybe like a month or two ago? And it's mm-hmm. called something like, um, my my juicer is dusty? Yeah, my juicer is dusty, yeah. <laughs> my juicer is dusty, and when I read that, I thought, you know, it would be so great to have you on the show on this you know particular episode where we're talking about cancer and nutrition, and... You know, I, I'm just wondering if you can talk a little bit about what you wrote in that blog and what your relationship to your diet and the food that you eat, what what was that like right after treatment and then now? Sure. Um, I, I write about, um, you know, how before cancer I noticed, I didn't think about what I was eating before I had cancer. You know, I didn't make any thought to it at all. And then after I was sick and I went through my treatment and I was trying to get back to the life after cancer part that nobody prepares you for and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out how to handle my fear of recurrence and what kind of changes was I going to make in my life. And, And that's when I started thinking back to, wow, you never drank water, you never ate a vegetable, you never ate barely any fruit, and I, I didn't even know what it was that I was eating and drinking, but none of it was healthy. And, and it made me start to think about, you know, wow, I wonder if that, that probably wasn't good for my immune system. And, and, you know, did it make and I started to question whether or not I felt that that, my poor nutrition, made me more, you know, susceptible, I don't know if that's the right word, but to, you know, my cancer diagnosis. And So what, what kind of changes did you make? The kind of changes that I started out slowly making were introducing water and starting to drink mostly water and ditching, like, the diet soda. Um, I didn't, um, I also started, you know, um, eating a lot more fruit and trying to introduce vegetables that I barely ate before. Then when I, uh, you know, after a few years of that, I um, started juicing, which was when my obsession became a little bit crazy. So I I had read some stuff about juicing, and I was seeing a holistic doctor who had kind of advised me with all these things and tried to introduce them to me. And so when I started with the juicing, I started out juicing some carrots and apples, and I'm like, wow, this doesn't taste too bad because I didn't like the taste of vegetables, which is probably why I never ate them. 
So what you I could get the you could get the juice down. I've I've never been able to swig carrot juice without it coming back up. You know, I can't swig the carrot juice without the apple in it. So uh. I can't do it. But then I started with more greens, and then I started with celery, and then I went crazy and started with kale. And but what was what I was finding was happening, and my husband noticed this was I became very obsessive about it, about my diet, about trying to eat healthier things, especially about the juicer, like. It was like every day, if I missed a day, I was like cranky and I was like starting to get worried and I'd be like, I didn't make my juice today as if I was going to like instantly like combust or drop right in front of him because I didn't do it. Well, it's so scary when, you know, when we're thinking about, look, we've gone through treatment and we're trying Mm -hmm. like hell to avoid our cancer coming back or we want to find ways to make it go away and that's such an emotional conundrum and then when we have this idea that maybe there's something really tangible that we can do in the kitchen to change it all it's hard to not have that affect us emotionally or to become obsessed with it how how did you how did you deal with that i mean did did you agree with your husband when he thought that you were being a little overboard with it or 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 did you think you know this i've got to do this it's at the time that he said it a couple of years ago, I was definitely like, no, I have to do this. This is, you know, this is what I have to do. And I realized that it really was all, most of it was stemming from my fear of recurrence and me wanting to just try to control what is just so out of control. And so, you know, and, and I write in the blog about, you know, a few months, like four months, like over the summer, I had like totally like stopped juicing. And I don't know, even know what made me stop doing it. I don't know if I was getting lazy or I just wanted to see. I almost think that part of me wanted to see, well, let's see if you make it through the summer if you don't use the juicer, like something stupid like that. You know, right, leave like it on the shelf. And, was going, yeah. All right, and uh, maybe it's I, time to, you know, call up the funeral home or something, right? Yeah, <laughs> something. but that's like how obsessed I became with it. And, I mean, even though I wasn't using the juicer, I was still – you know, I was still trying to eat the right things, but I think that what I what I started to realize was when I stopped using it that I was like, wow, all right, I still feel okay. I don't really miss it so much. I'm still trying to eat some vegetables, but I was starting to become try to become more balanced about it. You know, I'm finding now that I'm trying to be more balanced, but what I also was finding was the more that I obsessed, the more stressed out I was getting, and I'm like, hey, this can't be good for my body either. You know, I think that controlling what I put in my mouth and ate was a lot easier than trying to control the crazy thoughts going through my head. You know, that that was much more tangible for me to be able to do. I think that you just so beautifully summed up what so many people are dealing with. I have this um, post on my blog that was up, I think it was during the summer. It was called, Mm -hmm. Are You Overwhelmed by Cancer and Diet Choices? And it's amazing the flood of comments I got. I think that you wrote a really amazing comment on there, too. If this is a really, this is something that's really emotional. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so glad that we have our next two guests coming on because they're just, I guess one reason I wanted to have this discussion is that um, we need something to kind of cut through all of the, the fear and the anxiety so that right. we can just make really smart, educated choices. So I'm wondering, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it's such a shame that this segment with you is so short, but I'm wondering if before you go, what do you think is this one piece of advice you can give to somebody who is just finishing treatment and is kind of sitting there thinking, I want to do something healthy for myself. What's some advice about the mindset that you need to go down that road in a healthful way? I think um, with the mindset, I think, you know, when I was just finishing up treatment, 
my mind was like all over the place. And I think if you can find one thing that you enjoy doing, that you enjoy spending time doing, that is a good thing and try to, you know, do more of that, you know, because that's what helps to distract the mind from from all the fear that you're left with. And, and I know that's what, you know, that's part of what helped me. So that's what I would say. Yeah. So tell us again the, the URL for your blog so that people can go check out the When Your Juicer is Dusty <laughs> blog post and your other great blog posts. Um, my blog is found at my website, which is kathyboydy.com. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. my book is Breathless in the City, and there's links to that as well on there. But uh, thank you for uh, letting me share my juicer story. Thanks so much. I, I We love sure. having you on and are excited to have you back again. Yeah, so, I would love to. Thanks great. very much. Give our Thanks, best to Lou, Kathy. Kathy. Take care. Yeah, give Lou a okay. big hug for us. I will. Bye. All right. Kathy Boyd, everybody. <laughs> All righty. And, and for those of you who haven't read Kathy's book, it's phenomenal. I actually read it in two days. It's such a good book. What word is this? That's that's the question you asked me. That's oh. n- nothing to do with the show. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right, it's uh, time to bring out our uh, our second guest here. So let's close, close this out. Let's turn this on, and let's do this. A board-certified specialist in oncology nutrition, Natalie Le- I'm gonna mess this up. Ledesma. Pardon me. Can't be any worse than a news blog. No. The dietitian for the University of California, San Francisco, Keller, Helen Diller Family Comprehensive Cancer Center, as well as a clinical nutritional specialist at Smith Integrative Oncology in San Francisco. She provides nutritional counseling to oncology patients and develops patient education materials specific to diet and cancer. She has taught college courses and classes, written several books, chapters, and articles, and gives frequent presentations about diet, nutrition, and what else? Cancer. Please welcome to the show, Natalie Ledesma. Natalie. Sorry for butchering your last name there. Did I get it right at some point? You're pretty close. I think so, Ledesma. Ledesma. Hi, Natalie. It's Carol. Hi, Carol. You know, I'm really excited that you're on the show. And um, the first thing I wanted to start asking you about is, that you know, you hear so many ideas floating around in the cancer world about foods that are good for you and foods that are bad for you and methods of eating and treating our body during cancer, to prevent cancer, after cancer. And I would love it if you can help debunk some of these myths. So I have a list of a bunch of different, what I think are pretty common myths that are floating around out there about what we should or shouldn't eat. Um, as cancer patients, and I'm hoping, I don't know, maybe you can comment on these and, and educate us a little bit. All right, let's go for it. So the first one is um, the notion that cooking vegetables robs them of nutrition and that it's best for your body to eat mostly raw vegetables. Well, there is some truth to that, but I think that it's not necessarily 100% truth. And cooking vegetables can and, and does reduce nutrient content in some cases, but in others, for example, in carrots and in tomatoes, the carotenoid, which are those cancer-fighting phytonutrients, are actually greater in the cooked version than in the raw. So I think ideally a combination of having some raw and some cooked foods, you know, in terms of vegetables, would be best. Uh, but I think the key thing there is that when you're cooking vegetables, it's important to just not, you know, overcook and mutilate them, but instead, 
you know, ultimately I think the goal is to have your vegetables brightly colored and mm-hmm. slightly crisp. But gotcha. if, you know, if, it, if it's the, you know, some individuals just find that they're simply more digestible and easily tolerated to the gastrointestinal tract if they're slightly cooked than if they're eating something that's 100% raw. Yeah, that was a big problem for me. I just, you know, sometimes when I try to eat raw vegetables, it just does not feel good. So, so, so when cooking vegetables, make sure they're brightly colored and still a little bit crisp. Perfect, yes. So what about juicing? Um, I hear a lot that, you know, juicing is a good diet for cancer patients because it increases the amount of vegetable nutrients that you can get in your body. And, you know, this is something that Kathy was talking about a lot is that we hear so much about juicing that it can be scary sometimes for patients to think about not juicing, that, like, we should juice once or twice a day. Right. Well, I wouldn't suggest juicing as the diet in terms of it being only a you know a juice fast, but I think incorporating vegetable juice into the diet is actually you know a great idea, given you know that it doesn't add tremendous stress to one's you know life because clearly I think that you know quality of life and being able to really enjoy everything is really paramount, um, and it doesn't replace the vegetables because it doesn't it's not going to contain the fiber, but it is definitely very rich in the cancer-fighting phytonutrients. Can you say uh, that word again, phytonutrients? Phytonutrients are basically just compounds that are in plant foods, all different plant foods that have various activity. And they may work to, you know, inactivate carcinogens. They may work to strengthen immune function. They may work to detoxify the liver. They work in a variety of ways. And so by incorporating a lot of these different plant foods, you get a greater concentration of these phytonutrients into the diet. And juicing is one way to incorporate those into the diet doesn't necessarily mean it's the sole way to do that, but it is definitely one way to do that. And there are some preliminary trials that show that drinking juice on a daily basis, even for two weeks, can actually impart some beneficial urinary changes that you see in terms of some oxidative stress markers. Mm-hmm. However, the WELL study, which was the Women's Healthy Eating and Living study, was a study of uh, breast cancer survivors looking at the risk of looking at diet in regards to the risk of recurrence of breast cancer and one of the intervention trial did incorporate vegetable juicing as part of the diet um, and it did not support it did not report a significant difference in risk of recurrence for those that consume juice versus those that did not um, but I definitely do think that's still you know like a healthy addition um, but I think that you know kind of you know tailing back on um, the previous speaker, you know, definitely I think there's a, a balance that has to be found. Um, and sometimes, you know, there's also, you know, the different greens powders, and there's also even things like, you know, greens and that fruit capsules that you can kind of get a little extra boost that may not mm-hmm. necessarily add the stress. If you feel like one day I juiced, one day I couldn't, but I made a smoothie, so I'm going to add some greens powder. Yeah. And say, I just simply am overwhelmed, but I can take this little capsule. And you're really, I think the focus is just so that you're loading your system up with nourishing foods. And mm-hmm. if you miss mm-hmm. juice today, you miss juice today. You just keep, you know, being, acknowledging all the positive things, I think, that you did that day in regards to your diet. Because, you, yes, you could have a list of 500 things that we're not going to be able to achieve right. each and every single day. What about sugar, the statement that sugar causes cancer growth and cancer patients should not eat any sugar? Well, I don't think we have enough research at this point to say that sugar simply causes cancer growth, uh, at least on a direct basis. What we do see is that indirectly there is an association, and that's because having a diet that's rich in sugar does increase 
the blood level of insulin and insulin-like growth factor. And we do know that insulin-like growth factor is clearly a growth promoter for different types of cancers primarily, or at least um, research-wise it's been shown, breast, prostate, colorectal, lung cancer, pancreatic cancer, um, all seem to be kind of fueled by that mechanism. And I think, you know, the number one thing is we want to focus on fueling your body with nourishing foods, you know, loading up the body with vegetables, with fruits, with beans, with legumes, with whole grains, with nuts and seeds and and lean protein sources. And we do know that sugar-laden foods typically, you know, aren't providing any nutrient value other than, you know, the psychological potential value that it may provide. But there, you know, I don't think we do have enough studies that show that sugar causes cancer, but we also don't have studies that show that sugar prevents cancer, you know, by any ways either. Can I chime in for just a quick second? I remember uh, there, there's all these, like, email, uh, like, spam things that go around talking about how there's this John Hopkins study that concluded clinically that sugar causes cancer, and it was completely debunked, but it came like this viral myth. And there's a website called Snopes, S-N-O-P-E-S, which is a uh, a legitimate um, uh, hoax, anti-hoax uh, website that debunks these things. The John Hopkins study pretty much said everything that you said, which is like we don't know the answers to these things. But it got taken to a whole new level where there are people out there that really believe that you know sugar causes cancer or when you have cancer, eating sugar makes it worse. You need sugar, and sugar doesn't mean like dominoes. It means you know there's pectin, you know there's lactose. There's all sorts of types of sugars and carbohydrates that you need, and maybe it's the refined sugars that are things that we're not really studying. What do you think about that? You know, absolutely, and definitely that there was a Johns Hopkins email that was going around. I think that really wasn't from Johns Hopkins at all. It was definitely a, a junk mail that was going around. But um, clearly, it's not the the unrefined grains in terms of the whole grains and the vegetables, and even for that matter. You know, some fruit in the diet I think is perfectly fine. I don't think we should have 15 servings a day, but having a few servings of fruit a day, I think because of the phytonutrients and the fiber is beneficial to get in, even though it does contain some, you know, natural sugars in there. But clearly the key, I think, is to really limit the products that are made from the refined grains and the refined flours like white bread and white pastas and white rice and alcohol and sodas and fruit drinks and sweets and candy and cookies. And those types of things are really what we're looking at because clearly your body needs glucose for energy. Your brain you know, definitely is going to want that. Your red blood cells definitely are going to need carbohydrate for fuel, um, but more so kind of is exactly what you were saying, kind of the, which type. And I think it's not that you can never have even an occasional sweet. An occasional sweet I think is access, access, acceptable, but you want to keep your portion reasonable. You want to focus on health-promoting foods to nourish and strengthen your body um, first and foremost. You know, it's, uh, it's interesting that Matt was talking about, you know, things that are going around on the Internet. I, I often see a lot of stuff online about toxins and how to rid your body of toxins and um, things for cancer patients about, you know, toxins are building up in your body and fasting and cleansing will help you get rid of these toxins. That confuses me a bit because don't our kidneys get rid of toxins already? And I'm curious to know about particularly cancer patients doing cleansing fasts and diets and what are some of the, the harms or benefits to them. Well, clearly our body is designed, hopefully, to be able to remove toxins from the system through the kidney, through the liver, and you know, and all. Um, and I definitely think that, you know, particularly somebody who's just finished treatment or who's undergoing treatment or getting ready to start treatment, doing some sort of completely radical 
juice fast or a fast that's only lemon juice and cayenne pepper, which I know is a common one out there, some of the different types of cleanses um, that are really limited, I think can be you know quite detrimental at times. Um, even for the average healthy individual, they may simply not be able to really take that on. Um, and I think that you know, more so that you can, you know, you can take out, you know, some of the the caffeine and the alcohol and, and the refined carbohydrates and, you know, other components of the diet of foods and still incorporate vegetables and fruits and whole grains and some beans and some legumes and some, you know, lean protein sources. And that in itself is going to be a very healthy and a cleansing type of diet. Um, but the thing that I think that really gets me most concerned is when somebody's, you know, just finished treatment or getting ready to and their body just simply is likely not quite up to it um, to really tolerate that in terms of the final, you know, kind of how many weeks or months is it really going to take out of one. And I think the other thing that I noticed years ago, I worked with the Women's Healthy Eating and Living Study for many years, and there was a time back in the kind of late 90s where Atkins diet became, you know, definitely was, you know, kind of hit its popularity again. And what I found some women doing because of, you know, their desire to lose weight is they would go on the Atkins diet. And one of the things that the Atkins diet does is it does take out the refined carbohydrates. That I actually agree with, but the part that I don't is it kind of takes out, you know, all of the carbohydrates and it takes out the fiber. And in any kind of a cleansing type of a diet, you want to make sure you have ample amounts of dietary fiber. And I think that is absolutely key, particularly for cancer patients, because if you are mobilizing toxins and when you do lose fat, you do mobilize, you know, some toxins and fatty acids because we have you know, some of our toxins are definitely stored in our fat, and yet if you have no fiber in the system, then it's just going to kind of exposing your body to all of these different toxins, and I think that, you know, you're, you know, you're swimming in it, versus if there's a diet that's very high in fiber, you know, then you can sequester those and eliminate them in the stool, and I think your risk of it causing a, you know, worse issue is much, much less as long as we keep a high fiber diet in there, and a lot yeah. of the different cleanses and fasts and things don't use, don't have that component, and that's typically what makes me the most nervous. Yeah. So with vegetables, and I think with meat too, um, what about the notion that if you have cancer, you need to eat organic vegetables and organic meat? <clears throat> well, definitely there's no harm in eating organic you know, fruits and vegetables by any means. But what, except, to, except your wallet, maybe. <laughs> yeah, except for, except for the wallet. Uh, and, and we don't have research at this point to clearly say that, you know, you're going to have a lower risk of cancer or you're going to have, uh, you know, a lower risk of recurrence of cancer by eating organic versus eating conventionally grown produce. Um, the research does show that you do actually get in some greater concentration of vitamins and some phytonutrients in the organic and the sustainably grown produce versus the conventionally grown produce. And theoretically, again, as long as everything is everyone's legitimately labeling, um, then you would technically get lower levels of pesticides and a low overall, overall lower pesticide toxicity than you would get if something was being sprayed. Um, but again, in terms of you know, straight research, I think the bottom, you know, there isn't, it's not clearly there. The bottom line is we want to make sure you're eating the vegetables and fruits. And if you aren't able to get organic, then I would still have you, you know, eat conventional rather than not eat them. And I think if you're able to get them, great, go for it. Uh, and in regards to the meat comment, I think, you know, I oftentimes find actually that patients pay more of an attention, pay more attention to organic produce than they do anything else organic. And essentially, if you're going to go for organic, 
then it probably makes the most sense to go for something that's highest on the food chain, and the meat and the dairy would typically be then even of greater importance um, because you're going to be getting things that are higher on the food chain, and you also have the potential of the antibiotics, um, you know, in them, you know, as well, and the hormones and other things like that. But there, to, yet to date, to my knowledge, there aren't any studies that are currently showing organic meat to have any you know, favorable or unfavorable um, advantage over it. This simply hasn't been studied, at least, mm-hmm. in, you know, when, in the main research plans that I tend to read. Organic dairy has actually been shown to have less, um, children have seen less eczema, and mm. they have seen higher vitamin content um, with organic dairy versus conventional, but nothing yet to the point of lowering risk of cancer or not lowering risk of cancer. We, just don't, we don't have that there, but I'm definitely not opposed to one opting for organic by any means, but clearly the important piece is that you're eating you know, a healthy diet, and if you can't do it organically, at least eat it conventionally. Well, you know, I, I, I love so much of what you talk about because you talk about research, and, you know, we hear so much about trendy diets that are just anecdotal information, meaning that, you know, this is one patient's story, like one person who's feeling better because they've done this diet, or one person who's cancer has stayed in remission, and of course we don't know if it's because of what they ate or because of something else. I mean, I, I can't imagine my doctor prescribing me a chemo cocktail because it worked on one person. So I'm, I'm really in favor of, of, you know, studies, and especially when I'm looking into food and nutrition. Where can people go to read more and learn more? It's a good About question. Food. I mean, um, because there's it, there's all different levels. I mean. The research trials, I mean, definitely you could even, you know, Google PubMed and go on to PubMed, and that's, you know, free access for anyone. You can read re, um, abstracts. You can even read some, you know, mm-hmm. full articles. Are um, there good just basic websites for cancer yeah, patients I mean, who are just starting to learn how to eat healthy? And there's, I mean, like clinicaltrials.gov is giving you, like, specific research studies, but mm-hmm. in terms of being more tangible, um, you know, I think oftentimes kind of going to specific universities, Mm-hmm. Um, they have some various, you know, sites or going to National Cancer Institute, National Institute for Health, um, American Institute for Cancer Research, um, AICR.org. They have some, also, you know, I think more summarized versions, so you don't have to necessarily go through pages and pages of the, you know, the, yeah. you know, the details and some parts that in some ways yeah. are, you know, quite scientific that you may or may not understand uh, and be able to really, you know, grasp what what is this really telling me. And some of those other sites, I think, would be able to give it to you more you know, real real people's terms. Well, thank you so much for all of your knowledge and information. It's been great having you on the show, and uh, you've been a great guest. My pleasure. Enjoy the night. All right. Thanks so much. Natalie Ledesma. All righty. Okay. Our last guest tonight is a colleague of Natalie's, Greta McCare, board-certified specialist in oncology and nutrition, dietitian also for the University of California, San Francisco, Helen Diller, Family Comprehensive Cancer Center. Whew. She provides individual nutritional counseling and group education to oncology patients during and after treatment for cancer. She is currently completing her master's degree in family and consumer studies with an emphasis in nutrition for cancer survivors. Please welcome to the show... Greta McCare. Hello, Greta. Hello. 
Carol, before you ask the question, I have a general question. And I, I ask this of all of our people. I ask this of Deborah Davis every time she's on the show. What good is eating well if you live in a toxic what, – what was my thing? What good is, is juicing kale if you breathe L.A. smog every morning? As a rhetoric, could you answer that question? Well, because you can negate some of the negative effects of that toxic um, fumes that you're – toxic air that you're breathing, hopefully with the phytochemicals and the antioxidants from the kale that you're drinking. So you're basically trying to just net zero on everything. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's all you, Carol. I just want to get that out of the way. <laughs> so, um, you know – Tell us a little bit about what the difference is between a registered dietitian and a nutritionist real quickly so that, so that we know who we're talking to um, and, you know, what your background is. What's the difference between those two labels? Well, basically all registered dietitians are nutritionists, but all nutritionists are not registered dietitians. So with a registered dietitian at the minimum, um, you're going to get somebody that holds a bachelor's degree in nutrition uh, completed an accredited internship and sits for a registration exam. They're also going to be completing professional continuing education units every five years so that they can remain registered. And it's a nationally recognized professional credential. And what kind of training do nutritionists have? Well, that's a good question. So it really depends. Um, certain states, like California, for example, don't have nutritionist licensure laws. So the term nutritionist is completely unregulated, and basically anyone can call themselves a nutritionist. So I could just move to California and call myself a nutritionist. Right, exactly. Okay. Um, so call me a doctor, so I guess that makes me a doctor. <laughs> so you may be getting somebody that has quite a bit of knowledge, or you may be getting someone that really doesn't have a lot of knowledge, there's really no relevant training in nutrition. So gotcha. when you get somebody that's a nutritionist versus a registered dietitian, you don't really know what level of expertise the person mm-hmm. that you're working with has. You know, I, I'm going to dive in and just ask you a whole slew of questions, because I'm looking at the clock and you have so much valuable information to share. So can I just tick down my list? Go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Excellent. So um, looking at eating during treatment and after treatment. I'm wondering if you can talk, a, I mean, I know it's a huge subject, but I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that because, I mean, I think that a lot of the things that we hear as diets or fad diets or trendy diets or vegan diets and the juicing diets, these are not necessarily the most practical things for somebody who's going through chemo or has just finished. Am mm-hmm. I right about that? Definitely. So, I mean, when when somebody's going through cancer treatment, there's a lot going on with their body. Um, You know, there's the myriad of side effects that can come from chemotherapy, surgery, radiation. So things like everything from lack of appetite, taste and smell changes, and then the common kind of constipation, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting. Um, And all of those can make it really, really challenging for somebody to just even get in enough calories or energy to keep their body fighting infection and rebuilding their healthy cells. So that really kind of needs to be the number one priority when someone's going through treatment is, you know, dealing with the side effects and also just keeping their body functioning, functioning optimally. So it's not that 
you know, what you eat doesn't matter when you're in cancer treatment and all that matters is that you're maintaining your weight. But we do have some research to show that people that lose a significant amount of weight while they're going through treatment have, um, you know, can tolerate less treatment and actually have more toxicities and have um, worse outcomes. So that becomes a pretty important piece of the puzzle. So it is really important to to get the food in you and get the food in you. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I'm curious about some of the ways that that can be done, and I'm wondering if you know about this incredible book. It was just sent to me by by the publisher for review, and and I'm going to do a little bit of a review of it right now and say <laughs> I think it's an excellent book. Uh, it's written by Rebecca Katz, and it's called The Cancer Fighting Kitchen, mm-hmm. Nourishing Big Flavor Recipes for Cancer Treatment and Recovery. Have you? Do you know about this book, and what, what are your yes. thoughts on it? Yes, love this book, and I love Rebecca Katz. Um, she's a great chef, and she really she calls herself a culinary translator, and she is just that. So basically she takes um, nutrition recommendations, and she takes, um, she takes experiences working with patients in terms of knowing the types of side effects, so things like taste changes and lack of appetite, and she really translates that into recipes that have, not only are they extremely healthy, but they're also delicious and they're good for the whole family, basically. So. I know. I'm, I'm flipping through this cookbook, and I'm like, I'm a cookbook whore. I love cookbooks. <laughs> and, I mean, I could just be flipping through an Ina Garten or a Martha Stewart cookbook. These pictures are gorgeous, and I'm, I want to go make these recipes now, and I'm not even going through treatment. So that, I use that says cookbook. a lot. <laughs> I use this cookbook at home for myself. Um, yeah. And she has an earlier cookbook called One Bite at a Time that has some great recipes, too. Um, But one of the great things that she does, and if you read the first section of the book, which I know she talks about in this one as well, it's it's what she calls the FAST approach, which is her fat, acid, salty, and sweet. And the fat is olive oil, the acid is lemon juice, the salt is sea salt, and the sweet is a few drops of, you know, grade B maple syrup is her sweetener of choice. But she uses this to adjust flavors for people. And it's really amazing because we've done a few cooking demonstrations. She lives in the San Francisco Bay Area, so she's come over to UCSF and done some cooking demonstrations. And we've had patients in the audience who have really significant taste changes. And she has them come up and taste the recipe without adjusting the flavors and rate it. And they usually rate it like a four or a five because their taste has been really altered. And then she starts, you know, squeezing a little lemon juice and putting in just a pinch of sea salt or a drop of maple syrup. And pretty soon they're tasting it. And I've literally seen gone the number go from a five to a ten. That's amazing. So it's amazing for that reason. Yeah. So if people are interested, again, her name is Rebecca Katz, and, and the cookbook is called The Cancer Fighting Kitchen. And I'm going to keep on ticking down my list here. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm, I'm interested in taking these ideas of healthy eating and looking at how they can be adapted to the real-world lives of young adults. You know, it's like when you look at how our lives are set up and, um, you know, what some of our budgetary limitations are – there are some really specific recommendations that I think we need. So I would love to shoot out a couple scenarios to you that maybe you can tell me how you think 
for example, a cancer survivor who's living on campus and eating cafeteria dorm food? What would be a good approach for them? I think number one is be selective. So, the first, you know, really being careful with portion sizes, I think, is one thing because oftentimes when things are um, on a buffet line, you know, portions can be really huge, and I think we can just get into trouble by choosing extra large portions of things. But looking, looking, kind of looking selectively at what the options are, looking for whole grain bread and cereal options, so breakfast, look for oatmeal, look for whole wheat toast or um, whole wheat muffin, um, look for fresh fruit, uh, yogurt, things, you know, a veggie omelet, so kind of be selective. Um, and then for lunch and dinner, I would say, you know, try to seek out the salad bar and, you know, get get an oil, olive oil and vinegar dressing as opposed to a creamy dressing and get the toppings on the side for salads. Oftentimes, you know, the cheese and the bacon and the sour cream are kind of mm-hmm. topped on there. And if you can get those on the side, um, you can make a pretty healthy salad if you use beans for the protein source. Um, if you're eating pasta, even going for a red sauce as opposed to a cream sauce or a cheese sauce. Can I chime in for one quick second? I have to I have to say this. There's a new show on either National Geographic or Discovery Channel called Future Of, mm-hmm. and they did a segment on, on uh, like last week, about how they're in engineering, get this, they're engineering um, uh, uh, inoculations. What, what are those called? Like um, uh well said, Matthew. I can't even think of the word. Like, you know, you get an injection for something. And, well, vaccination. Uh, thank you. They're engineering vaccinations that will help people uh, taste things differently. Mm-hmm. Because, honestly, kale is disgusting. But Twinkies are fabulous. So it helps you untrain your brain so that Twinkies taste like kale and kale tastes like Twinkies. Real science. Real stuff. Wow. Uh, hopefully it's safe. <laughs> well, I'll actually <laughs> be able to eat my own scary. cooking at that point. Um, it sounds a little creepy to me. <laughs> yeah, but even something like just a couple more options of like doing a baked potato over mashed potato or French fries or looking to see if there's a garden burger, even mm-hmm. just staying away from the bread and the fried, you know, chicken as opposed to the lean chicken breast. So time and money are also some constraints that I think a lot of young adults face. I mean, look, there are a lot of young adults who are only making $10 an hour, you know, and then having to pay off medical expenses, and that's really hard to, you know, eat off of, you know, a Whole Foods diet. I mean, the average young adult really can't afford to go shopping at Whole Foods. And then you look at other young adult cancer patients who are maybe moms or they're holding down another job so they can pay their bills or they want to go out and have a life, a social life after being in chemo and maybe they don't want to take like two or three hours a day to cook. What are some tips and tricks for saving time and money when you're trying to eat healthy with a cancer patient? Well, I think the key is planning because when you plan meals and snacks for the week, you can actually, you know, get a good book. Maybe you're going to get the Cancer Fighting Kitchen or or some easy recipes and plan your meals and snacks for the week based on those recipes. So you make a shopping list based on that. You go to the grocery store and you stick to the shopping list. And it actually ends up saving money because eating at home can – save money in terms of having to stop somewhere and get a snack, get a drink, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you can end up saving some money. Um, I think it's important to keep your pantry organized so that you know what you need, know what you have, and keep it stocked. 
um, and trying to do things like buy in bulk. Often that's cheaper. And what I've recommended to a lot of people is to, if you're, if you're alone and you don't want to buy in bulk because you're going to be spending a lot of money, organize some friends so that you can buy in bulk and then divvy things up and then you can split the cost of going to Costco and buying 10 pounds of beans or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of produce, I think going for local seasonal produce because it's always going to be cheaper, especially if you want to do more organic. You know, If you go to the farmer's market and you get what's in season, it's probably going to be a lot cheaper than pr- trying to get a 10 you know, a $10 basket of strawberries in December. Um, right. And then just using less expensive food as the base for a meal, so maybe beans or whole grains as the base, and then the more expensive things like the nuts or the protein source, you know, you just use that as more of a condiment. Um, and then just a couple quick, you know, tips for saving time that I recommend a lot of times is to do little tricky things like, you know, you don't have to spend two or three hours a night. You might need to spend two or three hours a week kind of chopping some things so that they're ready to go or even preparing a few recipes so that you can either freeze them into individual portions or even have it so you can have leftovers for a few meals. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can do something like a grain bank. This is something that I do frequently and recommend that people do. So you might make a base grain like barley or brown rice, and then you'll have it in the fridge, and then you can alter it. You know, you could even make it into a hot cereal for breakfast, or then you could add vegetables and tofu to it and have it as a dinner item, and then you have you could use it cold and put it on a salad or something like that. So you, know, you have to do a little bit of prep work, but you don't have to do two or three hours of cooking every night. So, you know, we I, I do realize that we're going over a little bit, and these – these suggestions that you make are fantastic, and um, I I do have to reveal that indeed you and I have been talking <laughs> uh, recently. I, I've been I have been using Greta as my nutritionist, and you or I uh, sorry registered dietitian, and uh, and you are amazing. I've been following your suggestions, and it has radically changed my life and reduced the amount of stress that I have over what I'm eating and helped me to eat healthy and it doesn't take too much money. It doesn't take too much time. And I no longer feel like I'm killing myself because I have cancer and I'm not eating the right things. So that's the goal, right? Your diet yep, these these you. suggestions really work and are so helpful. And, and the last question I want to ask you is, is sort of like, oh, it was this you know question I would ask everybody, help, help, help. What's the substitute to, to ensure? And, and nobody could come up with anything for me. I'm like, what do you do when you can't, like, you know, often we come out of the hospital and all the folks in the hospital have to tell us, are, go, go get a can of Ensure. But when I go to Walgreens and I look at the can of Ensure, I mean, the ingredient list is a mile long. It's high fructose corn syrup. It's kind of some gross stuff. So if people really are having a hard time eating and they want something that's packed with all the stuff that Insure has in it, what's the alternative? Well, there's a couple alternatives. I think one of them is doing homemade uh, protein shakes or smoothies. And um, just a plug for Rebecca's cookbook, again, there are some really great smoothie recipes. um, But there's also a nice website called Caring for Cancer, and it's caring with the letter or the number four and then cancer.com. And there's a nutrition section with some with some really good smoothie recipes that are easy. Um, and so I think that might be a good place to start for people. All you really mm-hmm. need is a blender and a few ingredients. 
You can even have a thermos, and if you want something cold to take with you, you know, you can take it on in a thermos to go, and you can get the protein, you can get the calories using fruit and soy milk and yogurt um, and protein powder. You can even add nut butters to it, and, you know, there's all kinds of things you can do. Now, if you need something quick and easy, um, there's some pre-made shakes like even Odwalla makes a protein smoothie and Naked Juice makes a protein smoothie that some people like better. Um, and then there's, there's a pre-made shake, which I've recommended a lot to people, which is called Resurgix. And they have a website, which is resurgix.com, and they use um, more whole grains as the carbohydrate source, so it's oat fiber and brown rice flour, um, or brown rice fiber, I believe. And um, so that would be another option to look for. Well, thank you so much for your wealth of information. You and Natalie have been really amazing guests, and I'm glad that you were on the show with us this evening. Well, thanks for having us on. It was great. Yeah, you guys make a good uh, a good Batman and Robin, or maybe uh, <laughs> actually that's probably not fair. Maybe um, Silver and Plate. Oh no, we can't make fun of people in the chat room. <laughs> anyway, you make a great team. I'm really impressed with all this stuff, and. Um, you know, I should probably start listening <laughs> to what you're saying one of these days. One of these days. Oh. Yeah, it just it makes so much sense. Just really easy to follow recommendations. So, Matthew, go back and listen to a podcast of this show over and over again. Will do in my spare time. Yeah. <laughs> next Monday. <laughs> yeah, next, next Monday when there's no show, right? Okay. Where we're trapped under all the office stuff. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Greta. Thank you, all Natalie. Right. You guys are great. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Good luck with everything, and I guess hopefully maybe. Maybe we could see you sometime when I'm back down in San Francisco. I'm sure our, our local chapter would love to get to know you. Thanks. Okay, take care. Okay. All right, Carol, you have to bolt. I got a bolt. It was a great show. And, um, you know, I, I look forward to hearing what the, our folks in listener land can do to scrounge up some office space so that we can get rocking and rolling in a couple of weeks. You got it. Well, thank you again, um, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Good luck with everything, Carol. Bye, Jack. Bye, Matthew. Bye, Carol. Right, we're saying goodbye to Carol, but we're staying on the air for another few minutes. And uh, I guess I'm obligated to play this cue again. Be well, number one. This every moment is brought to you by... Stupid cancer. There you go. So, all right, so just, just wrapping up once again for all our listeners there, um, we will be off the air... Uh, for a couple of weeks, we're not sure how many, because we have to move offices and take all of our equipment down and off the air. Good thing we have our intern here. Yeah, Anna's going to do all the heavy lifting. She weighs 95 pounds. That's perfect. I may be small, but I'm very strong, Matt. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. So, again, just for everyone out there, we will be off the air um, until further notice. Uh, check back on our email, on our Facebook page, on our mailing list, on our website. Uh, visit our new website, i2y.com, and uh, let us know what you think. Please buy our Stupid Cancer wristbands. They're selling like hotcakes. Uh, they will be available internationally in about two weeks. And, uh, again, we have over 27,000 listeners on this show. Not all at the same time, but we have over 27,000 listeners. If you have any resources or support in New York City for real estate, uh, donors, sponsors, uh, or you want to buy us an office? Or would you like to buy us an office? Yes, we would love to hear from you. Send your email to savestupidcancer at i2y.com. 
and uh, I guess we'll see you all back here next week. Yeah. No. Wait. You're talking to the three people in the room, right? Yeah, I'm talking to the three people in the room. Uh, we'll see you all back here uh, next week, but we will not be seeing all of you in listener land next week. So um, I guess I'd like to thank our guests, Kathy Bowetti, uh Natalie Ledesma, Greta McCare, uh, in our studio, Anna Brower, Erica Goldberg, and uh, we'll say goodbye to Carol Rosenthal for a while. So we're off the air until further notice, and uh, I'll just shoot our closing sequence here for the, uh, for the last time for a while. Here we go. Bye-bye. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, that's tonight's show. I hope you had as much fun as we did talking to stick at stupid cancer. If you've uh, missed any of our previous broadcasts, check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com or subscribe to our podcast at itunes.i2y.com. If you don't already have Carol's book, Everything Changes, The Insider's Guide to Cancer in Your 20s and 30s, it is available wherever books are sold. Remember, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here at some point. Live from the chemo deck, Jack Buffard, Cal Rosenthal, Captain Stewie, and I wish you all a great evening, a great weekend. Happy Thanksgiving. Merry Christmas. Happy Happy New Year. Happy Valentine's Day. All right. Go to bed, Kathy Buetti. Fuck her out. Bye-bye, everybody. Hurt anymore.